Coming up, Matt talks about hockey and stuff that he bought. I talk about football and black and white. Time and desk, surprise, like wasn't very, very good. The masterclass, and we just talk something a little bit more in the background. Interesting questions from Pledge Cues, and we actually took a lot of time actually answering all these questions, which is really worth it for people who are paying us through Patreon. And we go to CNN because Fox News wasn't available. Episode 77, next. You cannot be serious! Konnichiwa, this is you, Vocal. Shalom, this is Matt Cohen. Welcome to Big Lens Fast Shutter, where we demystify the world of sports photography. And if you have forgotten, and I know you haven't, it is never too late to send a couple of bucks our way. Since this is a 100% user-funded audiovisual entertainment, please go to patreon.com slash blfs and show us how much you love us. And that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash blfs. Because we are here to make you a better sports photographer. Now, news. Matt Cord. News. Here at News, both Ryu and I will tell you our best and worst shoot of the previous month. And we talk about ourselves because what else is there to talk about? Mm, not much. Um, that would be, what, February and part of March? You want to start? Because I need to have a look. I don't know. I do what I yeah i shot a bunch of hockey again i've been shooting a lot of hockey all winter did i talk about the all-star game the last time i think i did yeah okay well i shot a bunch of sharks games since then um just trying different things and it's been pretty good this was the first year where i knew i was gonna get like 30 games before the season started so i knew that i didn't have to have specific pictures every game because over the course of a whole season i was gonna get everything that everybody needed so it worked out pretty well. I have a couple more hockey games um, before then. What else? I didn't have any bad shoots. I did have a, sh- a shoot that was way outside of what I ordinarily do. It was kind of like an industrial thing. So I got to shoot people welding and grinding metal and dealing with chemicals and machinery and crazy pressure gauges and stuff like that. So that was pretty cool. Um, got a chance to bring out my big lights and try some different things and it was pretty cool i'm definitely going to try to do some more of that because it's good to diversify i think oh it is no that's a good thing and you have no bad shoots no i mean i haven't really had a bad shoot in a while i had a couple of shoots get postponed or whatever which uh was kind of a pain in the ass but no no bad shoots at all you know these days i'm super selective about what i shoot like i used to just shoot like whatever I, like i would look at the calendar and there would be basketball tournament and extreme sports or something like that. And I would just go just to shoot it or whatever. But I just have so much to do now. Don't have the time and don't have the patience to go shoot something that I don't uh, have a reasonable expectation is going to be either really profitable or a really good different kind of shoot. So I've just been kind of avoiding what would have been bad shoots in the past and just not doing them now. I think... It was potentially a bad shoot. I 
almost didn't make it to the uh, France versus Iceland match in Paris because my flight got delayed twice. Like, one in the morning. Because I, the morning started out, it's like I was in Amsterdam. I had to go to Frankfurt to shoot for a magazine, uh, this football player from uh, the, the team in Frankfurt. So that got delayed. I almost didn't make it to that particular interview. Um, the journalist was already there, and... I had about 10 minutes probably max to shoot him, like do portraits and everything. And they wanted like eight different portraits in 10 minutes. So that was a bit crazy. So I got that done. I got on the airplane and tried, well, I got tried to get on the airplane, tried to fly to Paris for the the uh, European qualifier match that started at 9 o'clock, 8.45. And the flight got delayed. And I ran, 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 ran. Almost couldn't get the accreditation because that office is almost closed. I tried again to the stadium. They said, well, we can't give you a bib because the person who's giving bibs is not there anymore. So I basically missed the first half. I got like 10 uh, minutes of it. So, but I got quite lucky, I think, in the end that I actually got to even shoot. Um, and most of the goals happened in the second half. I think that was probably like the bad shoot. I've been trying to like now shoot a bit more football because I've kind of been out of it for quite some time. I kind of, I I think the reason like because some people were asking me like why I was shooting in black and white is that I think for part of the thing that I kind of want to do in the future involves around shooting in black and white. And I also kind of want to get used to shooting in black and white and seeing like what works and what doesn't. I think we did talk about it last time about this. A little bit. Yeah. Because like certain like like I, I put up some images on on Instagram and I was thinking like ah oh, that works that doesn't really work and that's kind of you, know, you kind of have to do it and see it and convert to black and white and see if it looks good or not because sometimes like everything gets lost in this waves of white black and gray and you can't like when you see it in color it's clearly there you can see it and once you convert to black and white it's like well I can't really see anything what's going on. And there's a lot of ways to convert black and white uh, color into black and white. So I also also going to like you know, I want to um, kind of practice and see it. So like I'm not gonna do it for club matches, but for I think for national team matches because it's not that many anyway. I think I'm gonna keep on doing it and see like I'll just keep on trying and see what works and what doesn't work. And I also like what I also did notice that if I want to kind of put everything together. It doesn't necessarily mean like I have to convert everything into a single way of converting something from color to black and white. Like I can use different filters, but I also have to like make sure that it's not so different from each other that it looks like just, I don't know, just jumbled up mess. So it's interesting to kind of like think that, you know, because like I never really thought about like, oh, black and white, black and white. But it really isn't like that simple. Yeah, because there's like a lot of filters that you can play with and I think we're quite interesting doing it. Yeah, the other bad news is that one of my really good friends, who is a professional climber, uh, she uh, fucked up her ACL before the season began. This is a very crucial season. And I was going to go and shoot her um, last week, and that didn't happen because she yeah, tore her ACL. And uh, she does listen to this podcast. Like, I'm commiseration. I'm really, really, really sad that she can't do it this year, but... I just hope that, yeah, she uh, gains the use of her leg very, very soon. So, yeah, good luck, Stash. I hope everything's going to be okay soon. I think that's it, really. So, Matt's going to talk about gear. And 
I'm going to talk a little bit. I, I forgot about this.、Uh, I will be shooting outdoors, outdoor climbing quite soon. And I realized that I can't take my 402.8, like not very, very far. Because I have to, I have to, if I have to carry all the gear, I realized that I need to come up with a better solution. So I have my 200, and I recently got a two times teleconverter. And I'm going to see if that is going to work since climbing isn't the very fast moving thing. And I've seen the results of like the two, like what like the image quality of it. It looks okay. I'll see wide open whether or not it's going to be possible. There's like, yeah, a lot of things like you have to think about if you have to go outdoors and like be on the move and shoot. You can't bring everything with you unless you like have an assistant. I don't have one. Yeah. This is actually like a good, I, I, Had been meaning to talk about this for like quite a while and I just keep forgetting the amount of gear that you have with you and how much gear you have and like how you can get to it, you know, is important.、Mm. I think it's kind of like something that people don't think about. Like, unless you're taking like a holistic view of photography, you might not think of how to get to your gear, how to carry your gear as part of the photography, but it really is. Right. Because if you're carrying too much gear and you're too tired to shoot,、oh, or、one. if you're like, yeah, if you're like weighted down and you can't get to the, the stuff, like I see people out there with like, you know, three cameras with them and like something, you know, belt system or something like that. And yeah, I just don't yeah, think yeah. that any of that is very productive、no. at all. I don't get it either. It's like, they just yeah, fucking change lenses, you know, for some of them. It's like, why? Yeah. Oh, man. No. Make a choice. You know, like if you're trying to, To be prepared for everything. I don't think that you're going to be optimized to you know, to, to get that, that great picture. I, th- I think that you're more often than not going to be paralyzed by which hand am I reaching down with to get what lens or what camera or whatever. And what kind of made me think about this in the first place was at one of my workshops, one of my students was wearing one of those harnesses where you can have, I forget what they're called, but anyway. You, instead of a neck strap or whatever, it goes around your neck or, and it's like a shoulder harness kind of thing. And you have one camera on one side and the other camera on the other side. I don't know. Like I've seen people use those before, but most of the time I see people fighting those things. It's not helping them, it's, it's actually getting in the way. Like they're bumping into things with it or they're, you know, the wrong point is pointing down and you grab it by the lens instead of by the camera. So I don't like to see that. Generally, I think you know, experience will help with this, but I think that you should really kind of pick the things that you're trying to do and then have the gear with you. It's okay to have a bag. Like when I go to a rodeo, right, I'm bringing seven or eight lenses with me just because I have no idea what's going to happen, what I'm going to feel like doing when I get there. You know, the light might be doing something weird, or I might get access that I didn't know that I was going to have in advance. So I bring a lot of stuff. But it's in my case. And, you know, I can lock my case up somewhere and have that be like home base or whatever. And then just have two cameras and two lenses on. If I want to change, I can go back. It doesn't take very much time. I'm not going back to, you know, download pictures and develop film or whatever. I'm just going there to take a lens off and put a different lens on or something. So don't let your gear get in the way of what you're doing. And part of that is don't think that you need to. Have every single possible combination covered. No. You're pr- presumably going to be shooting more things eventually. So you don't need to do everything every time. Try to optimize for the shoot 
that you're on right that second. I think that's kind of something that gets lost a little bit. Yeah, I think like in the future with the uh, the mirrorless stuff that things will get lighter. But I think the lenses don't get like I heard from my friend who's, who uses Canon and they've got the new Fornit 2A and he said it's so light, but it's like, you know, not that light. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's light for a 400, but it's still way heavier yeah. than you're going to want to carry for most of the time. So even like if the, the current camera, like the actual body itself, that the weight of that gets halved that's still quite a lot of stuff you have to carry, yeah. you know? And the lenses are always, like, just heavy. So I think just, like, yeah, it's just, like, what Matt's talking about, like, you do have to optimize. And I think I never really even thought about I'm going to be in this situation where do I, I have to really think about, okay, what can I bring and what do I don't need? So, like, and what, um, what I've actually decided is, like, it's a 200 teleconverter, 2470 and 14 and 24, and that's it. That's all I'm bringing. Because I realized, like, I don't really need any any other ones to make it work. And I think I'll bring actually flash as well, a flash head and a remote thing. And that fits into a nice backpack and off you go. And we'll see how it goes. Huh? I mean, I'm going to test it next week, next weekend. I'm going to go to a competition. I'm going to see how that goes. If it doesn't go, then I need to find another plan for it. But that's for another time. So, Matt Cohen, you recently bought things. And you want to tell people what you bought? Yeah. Ordinarily, I don't buy a whole lot of gear. Like I have what I need already. And if some kind of need comes up and it's not something that I know that I need all the time, I'll just rent it because it's pretty easy to do that now. But so yeah, camera and lenses or whatever, I just haven't really gotten anything new in a while. But I did get yet another think tank bag. I really have lost count <laughs> how many of them I have. Disclosure wise, I have done some work for them and they've provided me with gear here and there. But this one I bought, it is the uh, airport navigator, which is like the smallest rolling case that they have. It's it's really cool. It's like uh, way smaller than, you know, any of the other ones. Um, I keep getting smaller and smaller bags because of the places that I have to go to on small planes. Um, but even the airport advantage that I had was still, I don't know, getting flagged as being too big for some of these planes. So I got this airport navigator, which is smaller, like I said, but it's also set up differently. There's two ways to get into the bag. You can get into it from the top um, and you can set it up for a top loading kind of situation. Or you can get into it the the sideways, and that's where the computer goes. So it's kind of an inventive design. But for being such a small bag, you can fit a lot of stuff into it. So without a hood, I can fit my 400 into this bag. And looking at it from the outside, you would never think that that was a problem. But so, for instance, like it's my new hockey bag because hockey, I'm really limited as to where I can shoot from. Obviously, like through the whole 7200 is really the best you're going to get there. And then I have a fisheye. And then if I'm shooting from up top, I want a 400. And that is exactly, yeah, I can fit two bodies, the fisheye, 7200 and a 400 with no hood all in this bag, now, plus my computer and a cable and, you know, all the other stuff. So it's really small. It's like the size of like three or four shoe boxes together or something. Um, and it rolls and everything. It's really, uh, it's really a great bag. I, I cannot believe that I never got it before, but I had never seen anybody carrying it. And then I just went to a hockey game and I was, had been online looking at those bags that day. And somebody just happened to have it. Like the first time I ever saw one of those bags in the wild and the guy had it set up exactly how I would have had it set up. So it was like a no brainer purchase to me. It was, I think it was like 300 bucks. I look at these bags as I, you know, I've had some of these for 
over 10 years. Am I willing to pay $30 a year to have a bag that's really helpful? I definitely am. So that's a big thumbs up from me for the Think Tank Airport Navigator, if you need a bag that size. The other thing I got was to solve like a really specific problem that I've been wrestling with for way too long. I have plenty of storage, but the problem is when you're working with big archives, things slow down quite a bit. And so I started to split up my archives so that they weren't all in the same place just so that I could get the more recent pictures faster than I was getting them before. And that worked out as far as the speed goes, but it's also a pain in the ass because you can't search. I'm still, again, using Apple Aperture, which is, yes, ridiculous, but that's my whole business. Anyway, so I was splitting things up by year, but then I had to do searches across each library because you can't search across multiple libraries. And everything just got too bogged down with like 130,000 rodeo pictures, which is give or take what my archive is right now. So I've been looking at SSDs for like a really long time, but the biggest ones that they're making, like commercially available ones are four terabytes. And the the form factor was a problem because if you're getting like the the little drives, you still have to find a housing to put two of them in because I need eight terabytes for what I'm trying to do right now. It just never worked out. The, the the drives, the enclosures were either too loud or they were too big or they weren't Thunderbolt 3. So there was just all these problems. But then I read about um, this new product from OWC. Uh, you can find them at maxsales.com. It's called the Express 4M2. The 4 is four slots and the M2 is the form factor of the SSD. So these aren't the little things that you would consider like a, a disk drive, like a 2.5 inch or whatever. These, these look like RAM chips. They're really small, really light. They take up almost no space at all. And so this little box, which is maybe four inches by three inches or something, it's really small. So I can fit four of those in there. They're two terabytes each. And the speed that I'm getting is like five times what I was getting before. I can now have everything in one archive. I can search very fast, things load instantaneously. I mean, it's like there's no lag whatsoever. The only downside is that the enclosure was like $400 and the chips were 500 each. So I'm in like $2,500 for this eight terabyte SSD raid. But for what I do, it's critical. Like just being able to search through all my stuff and find something that one of my clients needs right away. It was just starting to become a problem on my old setup. So um, I don't know, this might be a little bit more than people really want to spend, but keep your eye on it. The the M2 form factor for SSDs, I think is going to be really cool. Just space saving and power saving and not having crazy fans going all the time. So pretty good setup. Uh, but the storage thing, like I had a Drobo and Matt said he shouldn't get it, but it's going to be fine. I got it. It won't even mount sometimes, right? And then like I asked Drobo, like what can I do? Because it's not mounting. There's like a... I found on YouTube this guy was actually yeah the solution to it, but you have to do it every single time. And it's not a process you like click a button or icon and like it solves. It's not the case. The Drobo people said, ah, oh, you should like get Disk Warrior. And I was like, okay. And I went to check like how much Disk Warrior costs. It's like cost like hundred fifty dollars to buy it, yeah. you know? They know they have a problem. They won't fix it. They won't even actually like have Disk Warrior, you know, with the housing. I sold it. And I just got like a normal whatever, like raid housing thing yeah and i've been very happy it's like it's like i don't understand like how it's it's really it's like a it's like a scam drobo like it's like it's yeah terrible. drobo 
Drobo was around before there were plentiful consumer raid type boxes, I think. And so they they had that advantage of being first and offering like an all-in-one kind of solution targeted to photographers. But to me, like the proprietary kind of system that they use just scared the shit out of me. There's just no chance. And, you know, something where the company is recommending third-party software that they don't include or whatever. It was just a huge, huge deal breaker. So I would, you know, I don't have anything against I them. I know people who have had Drobos for years or it. whatever, but no, I mean, pers- personally, like I, you know, I haven't, um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't get those. Like there are cheaper options. They're all faster than that. Like I was saying, OWC. They have a raid um, box as well. They right? have, they, yeah, I, I have a Thunder yeah. Bay raid box from OWC, which is great. Yeah, I have uh, four, I think four four terabyte drives in that, and it's you know it's it's very good. It's not, you know, again those are spinning drives, so it's not anywhere near as fast as the new one that I got. But for being able to have an extra copy of every single thing that you have on on one one box, that yeah. that's pretty good. So they have multiple options. You can get like two drive enclosures or four drive enclosures for spinning disks, and then this one is four drives for the ssd chips so a lot of good solutions out there unfortunately none of them are very cheap but you're going to pay one way or the other you know either you're going to have 10 uh two terabyte drives you know (laughs) usb drives littering your desk or something or you can just put it all in one box and put it in a closet somewhere which is which is what i've done so as this goes on um you're probably going to be taking pictures at a faster rate than storage is going to be expanding so uh, make a good choice when you when you first buy it buy more speed than you think you need buy more size than you think you need because um it's just you it, there's no resale value on any of this stuff so yeah uh, make a good choice the that's first the problem time. but i did actually sell my drove and i think i got most of the money back i was like yes well that's good probably because it was you that owned it right not you know just some random yeah, person course. or something wouldn't i autographed it so it just basically it. like went up in value oh yeah, uh, yeah. It's such yeah, shit. Definitely. Anyway, okay, I don't want to talk about this anymore because it makes me feel sick. <laughs> All right, well, that's it. Um, and then we'll come back to you soon with other stuff. Uh, here at Assignment Desk, we ask you to do something and we give you about a month and we just kind of hope that you've been listening and you've been a very, very good student. So last month, we asked you to shoot something that is symmetrical. Not to be confused with a lot of you had this whole reflection thing. Reflection doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be symmetrical. Uh, this is not a play on word or we weren't really, you know, weren't really thinking about trying to trick you with this. So... It's like if it's symmetrical, like if you fold it, it will be exactly. Let that sink in for a little bit. Uh, so we had a look at what you guys have produced this past month. And Matt Cohen, who did it right? I don't You know, I think that I'm, I like some of these more than you did. Um, I will say that I think the best one of these is Alvaro. We just had a little chat before we started recording that it's not you know, this isn't perfect, but it, it does, it is what we were looking for, right? It's not the, not a reflection. It's not, um, 
you know, anything for us. It's like, this is something that happens. You don't really need to do a whole lot to get this, but you do need to see it. And you do need to have a wide enough lens on that you can get the, you know, the parts that are symmetrical. Like if you just, if you had a tighter lens on and you could only get the ref and one of the guys, it wouldn't be symmetrical. So having a wide angle lens on in this case was good. I like how the, those lights in the background, but then most of the background is just completely dark, but it's hitting the, uh, the ropes of the ring. I think that's pretty cool. Um, you know, uh, how, how would this picture be better? Well, it would be more symmetrical than it is, right? That's, that's kind of what we were talking about. Like, it's not exactly symmetrical, but it's, it's close enough for the purposes of this, for the purposes of thinking about it. It definitely is. But really what you want is there should be either better body language or more action or, something else going on. Like it, it really is just a three guys standing. I would have liked, you know, I guess if I was going into this with a assignment in mind and I needed to do this, then that would be fine. I would shoot this and then maybe I would switch to a different lens, 85, 1.4, 135 F2 or something like that to shoot the actual boxing match. But if I really wanted a good example of symmetry, I probably would have just kept it like this and shot a bunch of the fight because at some point you're going to see them both trying to punch each other at the same time. And maybe the ref would be like right in the background or something like some of these you really do. If you're looking for the best version that you can have of it, sometimes you have to forgo shooting it how you would ordinarily shoot it and going for what you were trying to do. So that would be my advice. And it could be a one. really, really, really good shot. Um, like imagine like, like two guys trying to you know punch at the same time. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. absolutely I mean, in the center, you know, this is a good, yeah, this is a good setting. Like this is, this is what you want. Like the, the lights on, you know, the athletes and then the rest of it dark. So you really do need to capitalize on that a little bit more than this. Kevin's of the guy walking outside of the, of the ice, you know, like as far as symmetry goes, it's really well done, right? It's very carefully composed and all of that, but it's just boring. You know, like if, the, if there had been, a guy on the ice in the same place or something. I know we're talking about pretty high degree of difficulty and a lot more rare than this, but the problem is that it's, it's really not it, as a standalone picture. It's, it's just not good enough. Like you can't see his face. You can't tell what team he's on. You know, if this was like part of a feature story in a, in a newspaper article or something like that, it'd be great. We'd be singing his praises, but a standalone picture, it's not. Um, what else? So, I, and I think uh, the the rebound photo stuff, like I saw, like I'm not saying it's a, it's just, sorry, it's just like not a matter of like good or bad, but you kind of have to. We do keep on telling you this, like just because you kind of did your particular assignment, the actual component of it, that's not like done then. Like it has to be a good picture. Don't forget, it. like please don't like send us a throwaway picture and saying I've actually done the assignment. That's a throwaway picture to start with, right? No, like I want you to take your best picture with what we told you to do. It's not the other way. It's not like even the other way around. Like you don't like you do your assignment and give us a shit picture. That's still a shit picture. So how could we possibly like say to you like, oh, you did a great job when you didn't do a good job. Our Vols picture is not a bad picture, right? I mean, it could be better, like Matt said, but you need to think about you do your assignment on top of it, you need to shoot a good picture, okay? Like, it's not, like, not, it's just, a, you can't just do A and just, like, feel satisfied with it. Like, I don't really give a shit if you just do A, just the actual 
assignment itself and say, oh, I've done it. I'm giving myself a pat on the back. Like, I don't want you to do that. And that goes for everyone who's actually done it as well. You know, you look at your picture like, yeah, it's a cemetery or if it's a reflection, reflection, even Kevin's stuff. Like, yeah, so what? Is it a good picture? Do people understand like what, you're, what they're looking at? If the answer is no, do you take a shit picture? It's super important, you know? I look at it like this. Like, I, I don't know. If you tell me that you were shooting these pictures with this assignment in mind, okay. But I don't think that that's the case, right? I think that these were pictures that you went through after and said, okay, they're symmetrical. Maybe the Zamboni, maybe. But that's the, you know, that's a very weak picture. Um, yeah, let's get into this a little bit. I think I think we can maybe teach more using these. So when you take a picture and the part that is expected is out of focus, the part that's expected to be in focus is out of focus, you're, you're buying, I don't know, like the bar is higher, right? You're bringing a whole lot of stuff in that wouldn't be in otherwise. And so part of that is the background becomes way more important because you're already you know, people's eyes go to the Zamboni and the Zamboni driver and they're out of focus. So they're looking at what's really going on. What am I supposed to be looking at in this picture? And unfortunately, even though you did get the reflection and even though that is technically symmetrical, the problem is that the two most eye grabbing things in this are those ad boards. That's not what you want. Like that, you want that to be the least prominent thing in the picture. And it's the most prominent thing here. I think you might have been trying to do the symmetrical thing here, but it just didn't work. And why it didn't work is because the payoff, the actual the symmetry and the reflection and all of that is it's just squandered by the out of focus foreground and the in focus ad boards. Hopefully that's pretty clear because that's not a good picture one way or the other. The the next two look like you were just out shooting a game and these happen to be fairly symmetrical. To do these, right, we were just talking about how Alvaro could have made his picture better. And basically the the solution to that is just shoot it wider than you would ordinarily shoot it, right? Because he's shooting boxing. It's in a very defined kind of area. And if he really wanted to get good versions of symmetrical pictures, he could have just left the wide angle on and shot all of it or most of it or whatever. Like you don't know how long a boxing match is going to go on because they get knocked out. There are just times where you have to sell out to get what you want. You have to say, I, I'm aware of all the pictures that I could be getting here, but I'm really trying to do this. And we've said this a million times. Regular stock action pictures, when you look back at those in a couple of years, they're just going to look boring to you, right? And the pictures that you actually tried something on and accomplished a good version of what we're talking about will stand out and those will be in your portfolio and those will be printed and those will hang on people's walls. And you just have to decide at what point are you willing to take the short-term pain of walking away from pictures you know you could get to get the picture that you really want. So you can't just go to a game and say, oh, well, I'm sure that something that I get out of this will be symmetrical. That's not how it works. You, you definitely have to try it. You have to you know, put the right lens on. You have to be in the right position where something symmetrical might happen. And while these pictures are all technically symmetrical, it's not really what we're looking for. And we're still looking for you to think more than just trying to fit, you know, pegs into holes like that, which is what it looks like is happening here. When you go out, just devote it. Like, you know, I, I've told this story a lot. I used to shoot the 
uh, MLS earthquakes in San Jose. And there would be times where it was like, you know, my third game in a week or something. And I was just like, I have all these pictures already. And so I would set aside like 10 or 15 minutes and just do panning at like a third of a second or something like that, just to try to definitely get something very different. That's the only way you're you're going to be able to, to push yourself is by, I'm going to do this today, or I'm going to do this in this 10 or 15 minutes, or I'm going to do this in this period. De- you know, really devote that time to getting that picture and don't always try to just shoot the game as if it were any other game and you're just shooting it on autopilot. You're never going to stand out if you do it like that. Well, there you have it. I think we might just kind of smooth segue into Masterclass because that would be what the assignment desk would be. We decided to do background because for different reasons, but we'll keep it short. It's quite simple. So what we want you to do is we want you to work with your background. It's a massive problem for a lot. I think it, sports photography really is one of those things that background is that plays a really big role in it because of the fact that you're shooting some usually some sometimes something really really far, and depending on like the f-stop in your lens and the focal length of your lens and all that kind of stuff, like if the background is in focus, it looks like shit. Even if it isn't, it also can look like shit. So you have to be very, 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 very well aware. So if you want, we could go for, you could go for a really super, super, super clean background. That means like one color or just no color, like white, you know, or it could be black or it could be red, like just one color. Or it could be a quite crowded thing, but it has to work with the entire picture. So background, 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 background. Yeah. So, so some things to think about, um, you know, is it the position that you're shooting in, which gives you a clean background? against whatever it is you're shooting where it's going to be most of the time or is it light where you're going to be shooting and dark everywhere else kind of like the alvaro picture that we were just looking at because you're probably going to get a clean background then or are you going to try to do it with depth of field so that you're shooting at 2.8 or 1.4 whatever your fastest lens is and just blurring out the background or does it mean getting as low as possible so that just the sky and maybe some trees are the background but it's not like it's the weirdest thing because the like the first thing that I learned about sports photography is get the subject in focus and get everything else out of focus. That's as close to a guiding principle as I have, really. You know, it is really what I think about every single time I shoot, even when I'm at the same place and just changing positions. Am I going to have a good shot at getting, you know, filling the frame with the action and how is the background going to look? Those are the two things that I think about above everything else. And it's weird to me how many people just ignore that. You know, maybe they only have a five, six lens, or maybe they can't get as close as they want. But there are different ways to solve the problem. And I'm not talking about Photoshop. Find out how to do this. You know, angles, lighting, depth of field, things like that. I, I want you to be thinking about all of those. You know, there's no way for us to know this, but I want these pictures to be purpose-made for this, right? You have a month or more to be able to do it from whenever this goes up. Think about it and then make good pictures with clean backgrounds. Like, it's it's not the cleanest background that wins. It's the best picture that wins always. But to get over the bar, it does need to be a clean background for this. Yeah. So the definition of clean is that you can have stuff going in the background as long as it actually looks clean, it's fine. 
And just make sure, I guess what Matt said as well, that please, please, please make sure it's a good picture. I mean, if you just send me like, you know, two dudes walking in a white background, I'll say no. It's <laughs> not what you, you have to be doing something. They're like people say, oh, that's really, really cool, you know? All right, well, that's it. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with, uh, we're going to be answering your questions. Ladies and men folks, this is Pledge Cues. So if you have been listening to this podcast for a while and if it feels like it's been very, very helpful for your sports photography life, please go to patreon.com slash BLFS and that is P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash B-L-F-S. Um, there you can uh, give us money. Uh, I mean, people who actually give us like $10, which is about the Starbucks coffee, maybe even less for a month. You can ask questions that will give us more money and more motivation to keep on doing this and all that kind of great stuff. So head on to patreon.com slash BLFS and give us money. And if you do that, you get to ask questions and this is what happens. If you're wondering where to ask questions, please go to flickr.com and search for Big Lens Fast Shutter. Our group is there. If you've never actually been there, um, the people there are very, 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 very helpful. They've been together for years and they're quite knowledgeable. We won't be answering questions over there. If you ask, if you pay us money, well, we will answer it here on the podcast. So let's start off with Michel Molza. So questions. Uh, here's one. Kevin posted a photo from Juve versus Athletic Game. Atletico, not Athletic and ask how it was made. I was interested in your opinion. So I need to really find this. What's well, the one like the blurry one, right? I think I saw that one. Have you seen it? How did we do? Uh, no. Uh-uh-uh. So the thread is called, how did they do that? It was posted by Kevin Sosa on Flickr.com in our Big Lens Fast Shutter group. You kind of have to like look at it to actually like see what's It's a picture of uh, people running. The background is black, black. Um, there's one person who is in focus and the other people are blurry. I thought it was, someone actually said it, like it was, they use flash and that's probably, I can, there's only reason I can come up with how they actually got the other people to be dark and only person in the middle to be kind of stand out. So that was my solution as well. Uh, yeah. And obviously you have to kind of pan it. Yeah, I, I think it's, um, I think it has yeah. to be flash. So there you go. It's flash. <laughs> and slow shutter speed. So the next question is by Kevin Sosa. Are any of you guys making the switch? Oh, so this is mirrorless thing. Uh, recently tried out the Sony A9 and it was pretty sweet, but not there yet in my opinion to make the switch. Matt Cohen switch or no switch right now? I have no interest whatsoever in switching. So basically, like we're we're saying, like switching whether or not you would actually pay money to switch everything, and me, no, I won't. Uh, no, I mean it's not even it's not even close. And and here's here's why, right? Like I I get it. There are things that you can do with the mirrorless, with the um, the fast shutter, and the uh, what is it the the lens. You don't have to worry about the sync speed or something like that. Like. Those things are important and I'm not trying to run those down. If you need those kind of things, you know, then, then you should definitely do it. Like there's no question about it, you know, at least have it as a, 
as a maybe a studio lens for you know just for the white syncing thing or maybe keep it for video or something like that um you know there's definitely a time and a place for those things the weird thing to me is the size and weight issue and again we were just talking about this before it's not light enough right the if you have a 400 it's still a 400 it's not automatically you know a 70 to 200 or something it's it's still a big lens there's still a lot of glass it's still heavy all of that kind of stuff so you know if, if this stuff was like light enough that i could put everything and small enough that i could put everything i own in, in one backpack or something and just be good then i would do it but that's just not the case right the other part of it is weather sealing and being able to take a beating that i put my gear through i really don't trust any of this new mirrorless stuff to be able to do that even some of the newer nikon stuff the slr stuff isn't isn't made as well as some of the other stuff so you know i don't trust it you know, straight up, I just don't trust it. And then the other part is it would be a huge loss. I have a lot of gear and having to find people to take all of that stuff and make sure I get paid and then dealing with the loss and then buying brand new stuff with it. I just, I have no interest in doing that. And then the final, the final reason is that the gear for me, and, and really I think for everybody who does it for long enough, the gear becomes an extension of you. And I can do anything with, I know where the buttons are without having to look. I know which way the dials go. I know how I want things to be set up in any given situation. And I don't, for nothing, for, you know, for no benefit or for, you know, saving a little bit of weight here and there to, to lose that, um, the second nature of it all is a huge, huge no for me. I do think Sony's A9 has better autofocus than Nikon does. Is that enough reason for me to switch? Mm, no. I'm waiting for like Canon and Nikon to really catch up on this mirrorless thing probably a couple years down the line, you know? Because it's like they're kind of at its infancy and more competition means like, yeah, all three companies will be producing really good cameras going forward. The lens problem also is a bit of a problem because like they don't really have, you know, like the, the what is it? Like, natural 400 2.8 or anything like that I don't have any long lenses when you have to use a teleconverter type of thing converter and that to me is a no-no and sony came up with uh their you know their version of 400 2.8 that's fine but the legacy stuff that we actually have for, for nikon and canon stuff is so vast and extensive that most people would actually like say like no no not for this you know we can't really do it but we'll see down the line what's going to happen and the other question is, uh, do you know of any workshops the ones Matt puts on about sports photography worthwhile? Matt, when is your next workshop? So you can advertise your next workshop here. Uh, my next one is in a couple of weeks. Uh, it's too late for that one. I believe that the following one will be in early August, but that is not, uh, that's not 100% yet. And it will be in California one way or the other. Other workshops about sports photography, the Rich Clarkson Summit workshops, uh, those are in Colorado Springs, and they are the gold standard from what I understand. Uh, I haven't been to them. Uh, Rich Clarkson, very storied, famous sports photographer. I'm not really sure. Uh, he's, he's an older guy, so I'm not really sure how much involvement he has, but the workshop is still rock solid. It's in, like I said, Colorado Springs, where the U.S. Uh, Olympic training facility is. 
so there's lots of really good stuff to shoot that they arrange all that stuff for you what else the sports shooter academy i've heard is really good i think it's uh hanashiro does that in la i don't know of any other sports workshops um so i definitely don't know if any of the other ones are worthwhile but i will say this you don't need to go to a sports photography workshop to get better at sports photography at a workshop the the only workshop that i've ever been to was just a straight up photojournalism workshop um it's called the missouri photo workshop i think that's what it's called it's done by the university of missouri and it's in a different small town in missouri every year it's really fantastic it's like teams of five photographers and then there are two faculty for every five students which is a just a really fantastic kind of setting these are top magazine newspaper photographers plus editors um, and then nikon also goes there and you can demo gear and whatever so that's a really good one mpw you can just search for missouri photo workshop online and then the eddie adams in new york is also another um you know more of a straight up photojournalism kind of thing and the reason i mention those is because there are particular rules and access and all of that kind of stuff to sports photography but just learning from these people that ha- that have so much experience and have seen literally everything that there is to see they can train your eye no matter what you're shooting i would recommend um and and the missouri photo workshop is only like 600 dollars or something like that which is i don't know 5 or 6 days or something like that of shooting you cannot beat that. I mean, you know, it's just the the amount of that you'll learn for less than the cost of a lens is is really staggering. Like it was it's definitely one of the best experiences that I've ever had shooting. So, I recommend that. I think it's in October and you have to sign up over the summer. Definitely um you can keep up to date with my workshops. You can go to matcohenphoto.com/workshops. Uh there's a sign up there and you can be notified when a new one is announced and all the details and all of that and then Again, just to sum up, uh, photojournalism-wise, Missouri Photo Workshop and Eddie Adams, and then sports-wise, if you're not going to go to mine, uh, Rich Clarkson's Summit Workshops and Robert Hanashiro's Sports Shooter Academy. I'm going to add the fact that like this summer I'm going to go to Japan. I've actually spoke to like a couple other Japanese photographers. Like I was going to actually get one who actually does very good racing racing cars stuff and then i'm gonna try to get someone who does winter sports and i thought like i want to kind of like do this thing like like a lot of like people like i've gotten some from instagram i did like this whole ask me anything thing on instagram and a lot of people like you know speaking japanese people are asking like yeah where can we get to talk and meet and all these things like yeah this would be a quite good thing to do so i will try to actually organize that in japan but it's gonna be in japanese and i luck if you don't speak japanese but it's something like I kind of want to do because like sports photography in general, it's like it's not a cool job because all I see are like fat guys all the time, old at this point now, really fat old guys doing it. And I want people to kind of be excited by it. But it's like, you know, ever gets like really asked questions and talk about things like if you're interested in doing this for a living. And I think it, I kind of owe it to the, the rest of the community to, you know, do something about it. It's so like that's what we actually thought about just like having like four or five sports photographers there and like while drinking and having a good bit of a good laugh we can just kind of like get together and just like talk about you know what sports photography is and if you have any questions for certain people you can just kind of like ask them personally because we're just drinking and eating you know so yeah i don't know like the workshop thing if you're gonna spend like but it just depends you know if you want to spend the money or not 
I think if you get to a certain level, like, I don't know, like, if Kevin really needs to go to workshops anymore at this point, you need to, like, really think a lot, Kevin. That's all you need to do. But for other people, yes, I think that would actually be very helpful. If you live in Europe, I'm sure there are other options, but I don't know any. It's better to, like, shoot than pay money for it in most cases. But, well, yeah, if we actually find anything, you know? I, I think that, you know, I think that my... I don't know. I have a different view. I think I've kind of explored that, but these ones where the ones that I recommended anyway, I mean, like take mine out. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, whatever, talk about my qualifications. I think if you're listening to this, you already know what those are, but those other ones that I mentioned, Eddie Adams, MPW, Sports Shooter, and The Summit, the faculty there are amazing. <laughs> you know, like these are, these are definitely visionary type people who, who do these things not just the photographers, but the editors also telling you why something works and, you know, how they would be thinking about it in, in layout and selection and all of that kind of stuff. I think those are really important. And I think that Kevin would, you know, even at his level would benefit from just being around people who are saying different, even if they're saying the same things as we say, just saying them in a different way or connecting with Kevin on a, a different level, you know, maybe they speak Portuguese or something like that. Um, and, you know, he might be able to get a little bit more out of that. But yeah, I mean, shooting, you always just want to shoot. But again, these things provide you with a lot of things to shoot, maybe that you wouldn't shoot. Like Kevin doesn't really have a whole lot of opportunity to shoot rodeo. So he could come out in August and shoot mine. Um, you know, and, and then, you know, being at the Olympic Training Center, there's just so much good stuff to shoot there. So those kind of things, like if you want to look at it as more of like um, an opportunity to shoot other things yeah. rather than national because I don't yeah. think he really needs like any other technique stuff. Like there should be like a difference. It's not technique. No, no, it's not. It's technique. like an opportunity it's, to shoot. It's more else of though. like you know what I mean, right? But it's also it's also talking to people who maybe think about things differently than we do. Like nobody knows. Like you know, we've had this kind of conversation because people say that we're too harsh about pictures or something. Maybe the people who respond to people being nicer might get something more out of that than they would get out of, you know, having me yell at them for a whole day or something. So yeah, I, I would recommend those. And I would also, you know, again, I would underline that it doesn't need to be a sports photography thing because yeah, I learned sure, huh? a lot of things, yeah. you know, about composition and where to be and angles and all that kind of stuff from going to one that didn't have anything to do with sports at all. And I think that would actually give you another perspective as well, which is always a good thing. Like you don't want to actually just like yeah. kind of pigeonhole yourself into this thing. Like you have to like just learn about no, sports you photography. People, you, know? you know, you could, if the editors there like what you're doing, you could get a gig out of it. You know, you meet other photographers who might be able to collaborate on something or throw you some work if they can't get the job done. So anyway, there's, you know, there's a lot out there. So Scott Stockhog is asking us as a yearly subscribe Patreon pledger, how do I get about getting the critical beatdown on my portfolio? Like you're asking, I guess, like if we do the critical beatdown, um, you have to email me at uh, save me at biglensfashioner.com or, you know, ryu at ryusha.com and just send you the portfolio. And if you've, you know, are a big spender patreon wise you will get your moving on uh bob dalberg is asking me on your best 2018 number three belgium you say i realized the match started at belgium right next to the snuck in aim of one of players is there any more to your background story planning ahead no 
there isn't anything. And I think like you have to kind of be aware of what's going on around you, right? Like game, like professional sports arena is quite a busy place. There's a lot of things going on, like, you know, just people taking care of people, people getting ready, officials, the players, the coaches, the crowd, everything. And you kind of have to like know what is happening and you see it in the corner of your eye and you kind of have to make a split decision. We, Matt and I discussed about this. I would tell you probably after this whole pledge Q thing, we're going to try to do something to kind of facilitate you thinking a bit better in a situation. Because a lot of you, 99% of you have got no clue what's going on when the game starts. And that's a definite no-no. You need to like understand the rules of the game, the situation of the game, and where you are, where you sit, what you can see, what you should be shooting, all these things. And that you need to like be quite mindful about it. This is not a stage shoot, right? Sports photography, we're not talking like action images. You put a GoPro on someone's head and just like say, go do something. And I'm just going to take the camera off you when you're done with it. Like that's not the case here. Like you are in control of doing things. But you need to be well aware of like what is happening around you so that you can actually get the shot that you want and you need. Lastly, Rebound Photos asks, thank you for always pushing us to do more. You remind me of artists and art critics who would criticize talented illustrators as lacking vision and soul in their... We talk about soul, man, or not? <laughs> do you think of it as mentally shifting gears all the time during events, going from being artistic, thoughtful sports photographers to merely covering the game in order to get shots of most of the key plays, big moments. Exactly that. Some cases, yeah. Because like some, yeah, some people actually shoot, like if they shoot for an agency, you need to like have stock photos, like you need to have like certain shots. And the rest of the time you can just like do whatever you want. I think that mentally shifting gears is is good. Yeah. I, I don't think we've ever kind of used that uh that phrase or whatever but i that is that is what i do you know i like to walk around when i get somewhere i like to kind of mentally catalog all of the places where maybe shooting from would be a good background or a bad background and i want to avoid it i want to know which way the light is going to go i want to know if there's going to be any kind of reflections but then once the game starts yeah it's it's you can plan and, and i think it's really important to plan but then sometimes things just happen and you get taken out of it and you really need to do something different than you were planning on. But again, it is mental, right? All of this stuff is like, how am I going to accomplish this goal? What are the obstacles? What is the reward for this? What am I trying to do? All of those things. So I'm always looking. And again, it's, we mentioned this in the, in the, a little bit earlier, but where's the light going to be and where's the background going to be? Am I, do I have the right lens on to, to either fill the frame or more than fill the frame with, with whatever I'm shooting? But yeah, there's a big moment late in a game or something that I know, okay, that I need to go gravitate to that because it could be the decisive play and there could be a lot of celebration. But if it's a blowout or a really boring game or something like that, like I was saying with shooting the MLS, like I'll just put it on a third of a second and just, uh, you know, do panning pictures for 15 minutes. I very rarely, even agency wise, you know, I'm just trying to get the big plays and the big moments. Like I'm still trying to get more interesting pictures. And sometimes they just end up being stock pictures that are completely usable, but it wasn't what I was there to do. Like I want to be a home run hitter. You know, I don't want to be one of these guys and, and, you know, not taking any, anything away from them. If you're, if you shoot for a newspaper, you need to have a single every day. Right. You need to, you know, make contact with the ball and get on base every single day. For me, it's just different. You know, like I don't I'm not shooting for publication every day. Like I don't need to have the winning play of every game or something like that. So 
I want to come out of these every time I go out to shoot, I want to have a portfolio picture out of it. And that's, that's my goal to do that. I always need to be mentally shifting gears. So that's, it's good that you brought that phrase up. I think you'll probably all be hearing that again. And that ends our wonderful pledge cues. If you are one of those people who were thinking, oh, I would like to ask a question as well. You can do it by go to patreon.com slash BLFS and give us some money. And you can ask as many questions as you want once per month. Not that bad. All right. See you in a bit. Think we only say bad things about sports photography? You say we got no soul? Hell no. We're gonna prove you wrong with. Oh, Chris Cater. <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> Time to wake up your fellow sports photographer, and we will tell you why a specific sports photograph makes us quiver with joy. Let's wake up and let's do this. Let's love CNN. All right. So CNN does this. What shot? Or what a shot. 27 amazing photos. So Matt it's Cohen, funny. Usually these suck, but the majority of these are actually pretty good pictures. Which probably is like just a fluke by them. Because yeah. <laughs> suck. So Matt Cohen, you chose one. So tell us about why you like this and how it was shot. Yeah. So this is a picture of Bryce Harper uh, signing autographs. Wait, wait, no, at... Matt, you have, to, you have to go back a bit. Who, like, who is Bryce Harper? Uh, I don't He's a baseball player, I guess. Right. You have to say that for not everybody okay. knows. Like, I don't, I don't think like baseball is like, yeah. See, it's baseball's not that popular the rest of the world. So yeah, well, I don't know. I, I figured spring training would be the the tip off to that. But anyway, uh, Bryce Harper, who mm. just signed a big contract with the Phillies. How much was the contract? Uh, this says three hundred and thirty million dollars over thirteen years. Crazy. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Anyway, uh, he is at spring training and he's signing autographs. And this was taken definitely with a very wide lens, 14 to 24, maybe. So I like this because, so it's new, right? He came from a different team and is going to the Phillies. And so there's uh, a lot of interest around that. A lot of Philly fans wouldn't have had a need for his autograph before because he was with a different team. So this is like one of the first chances that he's going to be getting to do this. I really like this picture because how the photographer fit his face into the frame. It's not just he's standing above them or, um, you know, he's in one half of the frame and they're all in the other half of the frame. Like there are people handing him things from every single direction and his face is kind of in a cutout of, of those hands. I like the light. Uh, you know, I like how some of the hands are bigger than other hands. I don't know. The expression on his face isn't great, but that's that's getting nah, into nitpicking. You know, it's fine. I don't think he wants um, to sign them anyway, so it's already mad. Yeah, but anyway, the the key for this picture to me is that it's probably the truest kind of still picture that you could get right now. This guy's like you know, superstar baseball player, completely overwhelmed by brand new fans who want his autograph. And it's just like a, you know, like this takes you right there. Like, you know what a crush of fans is like because you've seen it, whether it's, you know, movie star on the red carpet or 
a pop star yeah, at a concert yeah, or something yeah. like that. There's always going to be people, you know, like reaching out to touch them or trying to get an autograph or whatever. And I just really think that this is a really well executed kind of picture. Like it's, it's good on its own, but it also tells the story of what it must be like to be this famous. Yeah. And I think it's the whole telling the story thing. Like we do talk about quite a lot and this is exactly that. You don't, I don't need any captions here, right? If you, haven't like lived under a rock for the past thousands of years like this you know this is sports and this i'm sure just looking at it thinking oh yeah this guy must be famous because a lot of people who wants him to sign stuff because you can see that is how it looks like and it tells a complete story there and that's how you should be aiming for these things you gotta tell a story through your fiction not through the captions i have chosen this picture of this guy shooting whatever it is this like Olympic shooting thing. I've got no idea what it is. Um, it's biathlon, isn't it? Yeah, it's biathlon. Oh yeah, it's, so it's where on you the ski snow. and yeah, you ski and then you shoot and then you ski and then yeah. you shoot and you have to carry the the rifle with you. It's probably one of the. I just imagine doing that like you're trekking on the snow. You're so tired and you gotta like hit this smallest like. You should go and see it on YouTube. It's the smallest target possible. And then you're going to do the same thing again over and over and over. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it seems really, like it's very difficult. Yeah. Difficult sport. And so like what I really like, uh, it's a silhouette thing that I like. I'm not too crazy about the lights in the background because for me, it doesn't really add anything to it. Um, I wish it was something else. But I'm just like kind of imagining it right now, like without the lights and then it looks a bit empty. So in that case, that focal length to me is a bit too intermediate it's very 7200 type of thing like uh, which was like really up close or really far so you can just really see it it's a call like in a really bad place i still like the photo and that's probably the reason why i, I want to talk about it because of the fact that i think there's actually quite a lot of potential involved in it if you're especially if you're thinking about doing like um silhouette and to like and this is kind of how you have to do it because silhouette is going to be black or very dark you need some really, you know? That's the problem that I have with this picture is that I think it would look cooler if he had underexposed it even more than this because I think the sky would have popped mm. out of there a lot better. I think those lights would have looked cooler and his form in a more complete silhouette than what you can see yeah. there I think would have been better. This this wasn't, I don't know. This Usually I, I at least agree with, you know, even if your picture isn't my favorite, I usually agree with it. I don't, I don't think this one is, this isn't what I would have done there. No, me neither. I, mean, I think like, but he actually put the, 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 the light thing in the background, which is a bit of a weird decision to do for me. Yeah. You know I mean, it's like, why yeah. would you put that there? It's just like, it's so distracting because you really want like your eyes to go really to the, the silhouette and it doesn't go. Yeah. I would have, I, you know, I, I like how open the sky is. And I think that, mm. A lot of times having something in the background is good just to give it like a little bit more depth and, a, you know, a different look than just one person against the sky. But I definitely would have moved over to the left and tried to frame that out and just had had him against the sky and made it a complete silhouette. That's that's what I would have done. But I mean, it's not a bad picture. It's just no. not. This is like a pretty good set. I, we'll, we'll include the link to the full set of these. Usually these collections are just crap. You know, it's just somebody who really doesn't care. But it, it does look like the editor who put this together was actually trying to do a good job because there are more good pictures in this gallery than you normally see. Yeah, maybe it was his birthday or something. I don't know. So that is it. I don't know. Like, if you want more information, please go to biglensfashion.com. 
you can if you want to see basically like more of like what the um what this whole community really is like please go to flickr.com and search for big lens fat shutter so thank you very much and see you next month And with that, we end the 77th episode of Big Lens Fast Shutter. Can't do this without you, my beautiful listeners, and obviously Rob with two Bs, our wonderful producer extraordinaire. Even if you're not as evil as Matt Cohen, please go to our Facebook page and like us and follow us. Better yet, do that and subscribe to our blog at BigLensFastShutter.com so that you will not miss any of our latest and greatest hits. And if you love us even more, please donate to us at patreon.com slash blfs and that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash blfs so to recap uh patreon.com uh facebook our website see you next month no you can find us here it's gonna have to like though oh shit no 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 aren't we in the 70s um no 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 77 this is what this is episode 68, I think. Uh, no, no, that's the uh, the training ground, the 70. So this is further back, it's like 68. Oh yeah, you're right. We're 77, sorry, it's episode 77. Um, knowing, um, so, um, I'm really, I don't know. Um, it's in, in, um, and, um, 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 you know, you know. On, uh, I don't know, like, um, uh, your, and, um, and, uh, <laughs> So, oh, uh, um, you know, um, 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 so yeah, um, uh, um, 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 you know, um, um, and, um, um, the, so, but, but you, there are the, um, um, the, and it's, um, and, um, so, um, so think about it, you know, when you, um, um, the, um, you know, so, or um so there's that um they um you know where and the uh i don't know it's like um that's and um so and not um um and it's not like you're and it's not um or uh and yeah you know the um 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 i don't know like it don't um uh just you know uh um um, and um, um, so the um, um, of the like the that's the problem that I have. I don't know. I I, I would have. I don't know. So you know. But again, um, 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 so I don't know. So so anyway. Um, guy. So the so you know. Anyway. Uh, so um, it, and and the um um though so, um. Um, I, I like to, um, I don't know, um, um, you know, it's just, um, you know, if I, 